mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Forbes advisor last week predicted this year's spring real estate market may turn out to be a total dud thanks to slumping demand. How are these trends playing out in our local area? We'll take a closer look. Also this morning, our high mortgage rates, tight inventory, and persistently high prices pushing would-be buyers out of the market, examining the squeeze on first-time homeowners from the lender's point of view. And from starting your own garden to shopping the farmer's market to food preservation resources, the Hancock County OSU Extension is your one stop for everything related to growing season. We'll learn what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. Did you watch the uh, coronation this uh, past weekend, Uh, the uh, coronation of King Charles III? I did not intend uh, on watching the uh, coronation, but I woke up on Saturday morning and I turned on the TV and that was all that was on. So, so, I mean, it was either that or reruns of Friends. Uh, That was really the only thing that was on TV. And uh, so I did see some of this, but I did not see that just kind of a crazy thing. Uh, the story out of, uh, out of Great Britain, a photographer, uh, that was capturing the historic event claims to have snapped images of a UFO, which he says, uh, can be seen in the background of the Royal Air Force red aeroplanes doing a flyby, uh, of London. Uh, according to a report in the British Mirror tabloid, the uh, weather was so bad that there were no birds in the air and I couldn't really see the planes, so I didn't check the photos until later. This, uh, the quote from Simon Balson, a 59-year-old photographer shooting from the 13th floor of his apartment building. Um, when I checked the photos, though, I spotted this weird object and thought, what the heck is that? A small reddish object... Uh, captured in the photo, he claims to have no idea what it could be. Um, it's described as looking somewhat like a sideways heart and apparently observed above the jets while they were in a triangular formation heading toward the London Mall. Mr. Balson claims that there has been a lot of unexplained sightings around East London lately, so he believes it's a UFO. I suppose it's, I mean, it is technically a UFO, an unidentified flying object. It was clearly flying, and it is unidentified, so it is a UFO. But whether it's, whether the uh, aliens were checking out the uh, king's coronation or not, I don't know. That's kind of an interesting uh, story. Some of the other most uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories to start off your Wednesday morning. This is kind of cool, the latest artificial intelligence story apparently wendy's the fast food franchise is getting ready to deploy artificial intelligence programs like chat gpt to take your order at the drive-through wendy's apparently is going to be the first to do this they're already testing it in columbus which of course is the headquarters for for wendy's you know it originated in columbus and So anyway, the Wall Street Journal reports that Wendy's has teamed up with Microsoft for an artificial intelligence chatbot designed to streamline the process uh, of 
customer ordering at the drive-thru window. The software is tasked with figuring out what you want, um, and it's and it's a bit of a challenge. They had to work on this with the uh, program. And for example, if you drive through Wendy's and you ask for a shake instead of a frosty, then the AI chatbot has to be able to figure that out, and it also has to filter out background noise like uh, screaming kids or. A blaring radio, if you don't turn that down. Um, they also say that the AI chatbot can upsell customers on larger drinks and other options and alert them to daily specials. A test run at a restaurant in Columbus went well, according to the chief information officer for the company, Kevin Vasconi, noting it's at least as good as our best customer service representative, and it's probably, on average, better. Uh, The company insists the technology will not be used to replace human employees, but rather to make their jobs easier. And I would assume that uh, people would be reassigned from simply taking orders at the drive-thru window to doing something else. And if they can use that to speed up the process... That would be much appreciated because of all of the fast food joints that uh, that I go to. Consistently, Wendy's is the slowest. And I don't know why that is, but Wendy's is like the slowest of all of the drive throughs in America. So if they can speed up the process a little bit, I'm all for it. But anyway, the next time you uh, place an order at Wendy's, you may not be talking to a real human being. Interesting. We're a little bit late on this. Uh, this uh, story actually um, hit the uh, newswires uh, a few days ago, and honestly, I forgot about it. But I definitely want to mention, in case you haven't heard, the World Video, uh, the World Video Game Hall of Fame has announced its 2023 inductees. The Video Game Hall of Fame. Including, uh, included in the uh, inductees for 2023, uh, Wii Sports. You remember Wii Sports when that uh, came out? Everybody was all amazed at, at Wii Sports and the way you interacted with a video game. Instead of just a controller, your body was the controller. You remember a very groundbreaking uh, video game, Wii Sports. The Last of Us, which of course has been turned into a TV show. Uh, started as a video game, The Last of Us. Computer Space, which was the first commercially available video game back in, what, the early 70s, a game called Computer Space. And Barbie Fashion Designer. Um, Barbie Fashion Designer became a jumping-off point for the girls' games movement and shook up the software and gaming scene by targeting girls, specifically which had not been done before, so a groundbreaking video game in its own right. Uh, some of the uh, finalists that did not make the cut, Angry Birds, Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, and GoldenEye 007. The new Video Game Hall of Fame in Buffalo, New York, will open June 30th. So, those were the uh, video game inductees. And the I don't know that that's the inaugural class, the video game Hall of Fame. It's not actually open yet. Um, those are the latest uh, inductees there. 
Did you hear about this story? Crazy story. Um, Corey, I think is how you pronounce it. Corey Darden Rikens, Richens, Rick, uh, this woman who wrote a children's book on how to deal with grief after her husband passed away and her kids were having a difficult time struggling to uh, adjust to the fact that their dad was no longer around. She's from Utah, and she wrote this uh, children's book. She said at the time that she wrote the book because her kids were uh, struggling to process their grief. Uh, She tried to find uh, uh, kid-level resources to help them in their grief journey and couldn't find them, so she decided to write and self-publish her own children's book on dealing with grief after her husband passed away. And now the twist in the story is she's been arrested for his murder. Um, Eric Rikens uh, was poisoned with fentanyl back in March of last year. Investor, investigators claim that she made him a drink and, and uh, spiked it with fentanyl. And um, that was how uh, she did him in. And then she published the... What's crazy about this... um, By the way, the Amazon description of her children's book uh, reads, quote, Written by a loving mother who personally faced this challenge, the book is designed to offer comfort and solace to young minds in a way that is both accessible and engaging. And what's crazy about this and a little scary about this is that uh, she had said that she had planned to write sequels. So, (laughs) I'm not sure... Yee, I plan to write sequels. I don't even want to know what that's all about. What a crazy story. Wild twist in that one. And uh, finally, among the first things that you need to know this morning, this is a story that uh, will absolutely touch your heart. I know it, it did for me when I saw this on the uh, Newswire. A pocket watch that once belonged to a prominent Southern Baptist minister is back with the man's family after an unusual saga involving eBay. According to news reports, the pocket watch was owned by the Reverend Charles Stanley until his death last month and was sold on the auction site eBay for $2,300 earlier This month, on May 1st, the auction ended, and the seller paid $2,375. But the successful bidder chose not to claim the watch and instead convinced the seller, which happened to be the late reverend's grandson, that it never should have been put up for sale in the first place. Uh, Matt Broderson is the buyer. Um... Or no, I'm sorry, Matt Broderson was the seller in this, and and he said he talked to the guy who bought the watch on the phone for like 30 minutes. He said, we had a great conversation, and it was a little jaw-dropping. Mr. Broderson shared that the potential buyer had himself lost many of his own grandfather's possessions in an estate sale after his death, and he didn't want this family... Uh, to have the same kind of pain and regret. Um, Mr. Broderson said when 
The buyer told me his story. I just died inside, and I realized how selfish I was being by trying to sell my uh, grandfather's watch. And so it will stay in the family. Isn't that awesome? That is really cool. And kudos uh, to the uh, buyer, whose name was not given uh, in the report, for helping this young man see the light. Because that is definitely one of those heirlooms that should stay in the family. That's a wonderful story. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Plenty of sunshine expected today with a high in the mid-70s. Mostly clear tonight, a low around 50. This is National Correctional Officers Week, and the administrator of the Hancock County Jail, Captain Ryan Kidwell, says it's a time to salute a group of officers who are often overlooked but carry a tremendous amount of responsibility. It's an honor to have the folks that we have working for us that is serving their community to the best, and we're certainly appreciative of that. He says unless you work in it, it's very hard to understand what correctional officers do on a daily basis behind the scenes. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office is currently hiring correctional officers. Get more details with this story on our website. A bizarre case out of Portsmouth in southern Ohio that went to the state's highest court. The state Supreme Court ruling that one man was so brazen when he stole a leaf blower that it can't be considered a burglary. According to court documents here, that man just walked into an open garage while the homeowner looked on. He allegedly was smiling and walked casually into the garage and took the leaf blower out and back to his car. Justice has found since he didn't use force or deception, he should be convicted of a lesser offense. I'm Andrew Kinsey. A bill to help save lives in Ohio schools is moving forward at the Ohio State House. House Bill 47 is now heading to the House of Representatives. It would increase access to automated external defibrillators in all schools and recreation centers. Health experts say when someone goes into cardiac arrest, chances of survival decrease every minute. I'm Tracy Townsend. The Blanchard Valley Health System Auxiliary recently awarded 10 $1,000 scholarships to students in Hancock and surrounding counties who are interested in pursuing a health-related career. The scholarship winners come from a variety of high schools, including Findlay, Van Buren, Riverdale, Bluffton, Arlington, Liberty Benton, and Ottawa Glandorf. The money for the scholarship fund comes from the annual membership dues contributed by auxiliary members. Learn more about scholarships offered through Blanchard Valley Health System with this story on our website. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So now we get to our cover story this morning. It's all about the real estate market, and we've all heard the headlines. Mortgage rates obviously are going up. Existing home sales down again the latest numbers existing home sales down after last month's brief uptick uh, with inventory still tight prices remain high uh, month over month even though they're down uh, year over year uh, even the chief economist of the national association of realtors calls it a unique market and forbes advisor last week predicted that this year's spring real estate market may in their words turn out to be a total dud so how are all of these trends playing out in our local area? Brian Witta is with us from Coldwell Banker Flag City uh, Realty. And uh, Brian, thanks very much for uh, dropping by, first of all. Good morning, Chris. Um, before we went on the air, I think the word you used was weird. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's just a, an unusual market. I mean, these are not a combination of factors that you often see. Right. It's kind of a perfect storm of some strange things. Mm-hmm. You know, COVID created some of it. 
Right. Monetary policies created some of it. Mm -hmm. And when you put all those things together, it, it can be challenging, but it can still be done. Yeah. So, again, when you look at these broad trends and the national storylines, um, like we said, Forbes uh, probably had the most doom and gloom sort of out outlook that the spring real estate market, which is usually the hot time of the year, may turn out to be a total dud. Would you go that far? No. In fact, you know, with specific to Forbes's prediction, if I go back over the past 10 years within the Finley zip code, our 10-year average is selling about 76 houses during the month of April. So right now we're at 60, we had 61 in April. So we're not that far off the mark. So clearly people are still out there. They're still yeah. buying. Yeah. Um, and what about inventory? So inventory is, uh, it's a challenge for us. You know, when we say, and, you know, many folks hear the commercial we put out uh, on this station saying what our weekly numbers are, mm -hmm. and we're at 41 right now. Yeah. So 41. And that's just, and that's your agency, right? That's, no, that's, that's just, that's the, the entire four, zip code. That's the entire zip yeah, code. Yeah, okay. 41 listings for the entire zip code. And so people hear that and they think, oh my gosh, the sky is falling but we're maintaining around that number. So things are still selling. It's just we're keeping less things on the market than historically what we have. So uh, are there values to be found out there? I mean, this is the other uh, the other question. And part of the broader storyline is that with these rising interest rates, that's squeezing affordability, especially for first-time home buyers and uh, those who are just getting into the into the market for the for the first time, and that has been a longstanding concern of sure. you know, the availability of starter homes and that sort of thing. So, are there values to be had there? You well, they're not what you would have seen ten years ago, obviously, mm -hmm. because the market's just very different. But mm -hmm. you know, there are still opportunities for buyers out there. You have to be very strategic in what you're looking for. And timing really is everything as with any investment. Yeah. Timing's going to be key. You know, if we just briefly, if we look at, you know, the interest rates over the last 52 years, the historical average is 7.75%. As of today, we're at 7.3. Yeah. So that, yeah. And, and that is a, a good point. Um, and I think part of and I wonder if, and get your perspective on this, if part of this sort of weird market that we have is of the result of just kind of a shock to the system. I mean, like you said, historically, I mean, we think of these as skyrocketing interest rates. Certainly they are over the one, two, three percent that we saw right. a year and a half ago. Right. Uh, and they've gone up very quickly, but the historical average it's not that far off from where they normally would be. No, we we're in a situation where we were spoiled for a number of years right. with historically low interest rates. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily make it palatable for everyone to run out and say, woohoo, 7.3 percent. I'm excited right. about it. But, right. uh, you know, we we joke. I remember my first mortgage was 10 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, it could always be worse. And we peaked close to 20 in the 1980s. So. Right. You know, it could always be worse. And we jokingly say, date the rate, marry the house. The, the reality is real estate cyclical and right. rates will come back down. And so you, if you purchase now, know that you always have the ability to refinance, drop that rate, keep hitting your mortgage with the same amount you were paying and you'll knock the mortgage out sooner. You know, that's a, a valid point. And uh, along the same lines, we saw a huge run up in prices during the pandemic of all things. Uh, I mean like in some markets, 30% uh, increase in, in prices over the course of a year. Right. You're certainly not seeing that. And again, yeah. 
when you talk about uh, prices for sellers not being as lucrative as they have been, it's more of a shock to the system rather than something unusual. Yeah, we we are still tipped toward a seller's advantage within the zip code. You know, when I look at the data and I and I do regularly we are still tipped toward the seller. You know, it doesn't mean that a buyer can't purchase. Um, but just to give a, a very quick example, there are houses, uh, you know, 10 years ago that were selling in the 250 range that are now in the 350 to 375 range. That's a pretty nice return on an investment. Right. It also, though, the the flip side of that is it raises all of those questions about affordability and yes. how many people are squeezing out of the market. Yes. And there are folks who were purchasing in upper tiers that may have scaled back what they're looking for just due to the interest rate. But again, interest rates are cyclical and we really have to emphasize that. That's not about us making a sale. That's reality. When you look at history of uh, the real estate market in the U.S., it's always going to come back around at some point. The one thing that we're not seeing now, and this is probably a good thing, uh, is the uh, being such a seller's market that homes were going within days or even hours sometimes of hitting the market sometimes, um, sometimes. And, and sometimes being sold with some pretty scary terms for buyers like waiving contingencies and waiving inspections and that kind of thing. I don't know right. how much that have that happened here. But again, the national stories were that people were so desperate to get into homes right. when they came on the market that they were agreeing to terms that I know a real estate agent would never recommend. Uh, pro tip for all the listeners, uh, waiving inspections is always a bad idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there there are people who and yet do some that. people were doing it. They were. Yeah. They were. And it's scary because you at least need to know what you're getting into. Right. You don't want to eliminate your ability to, to be smart about the investment that you're making. Mm-hmm. So, yes, so, there were a lot of folks doing it. And again, uh, as that relates to sellers in the current market, they say, well, the you know opportunity has passed. I don't Which think is, the opportunity has passed. Yeah. You know, within Finley, our our market is unique because of the local economy. We mm-hmm. have a very, what I would consider to be a balanced economy with the types of jobs in the market. Mm-hmm. It does help the real estate market here. And, you know, I feel optimistic about where we're heading and, and even where we are right now. I, I don't think that real estate is an unsafe investment. Historically, it has been good. I think sure. it will continue to be. Yeah. Um, so what what is your biggest concern, uh, though? I mean, as you talk about being yeah. optimistic, and, and it should be pointed out that real estate, although we hear these uh, broad stories nationally, it's a very localized uh, commodity. I mean, it is. It's very different. As a matter of fact, I think uh, the report – was that in the higher priced uh, markets, you're talking your New York, San Francisco, L.A. prices, home prices are still going up, where in uh, moderately priced markets, which are smaller markets, uh, prices are actually coming down. Um, so you see different trends in different areas. What is the biggest concern, though, you have looking ahead in this market. Well, I, w- I would first just mention for anyone who's listening that Finley zip code, the prices have not gone backwards. And that's important. They have come down off of pandemic pricing, which was mm-hmm. sort of a, a panic kind of pandemic pricing. Right. Um, but we haven't gone backwards. So values are still up, which is good if you own real estate. But the biggest concern that I have is that we're making some monetary decisions at the national level that impact smaller markets like Finley, and they can impact us negatively. 
Um, think there are things we're not looking at with curbing inflation, such as you know government spending. We're not really doing much to fix supply chain issues, and those things are a big contributor to inflation. And we're just not doing much about those. We cannot balance uh, the inflation issue solely on the back of real estate because real estate is 15 to 18% of GDP. We we have to keep the real estate market strong. And if we continue to see high inflation, that's another thing that will keep buyers on the sidelines. Certainly can. Yeah. Certainly can. Uh, again, sort of a, an interesting take on how these national stories play out in our local market. And again, uh, Brian Witta with Coldwell Banker uh, Flag City with us uh, this morning. We've got a link up for more information uh, about what is out there uh, in the market uh, here locally at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Brian, thanks very much for dropping by. We Always a pleasure, Chris. So we're talking about trends in the housing market this morning since we're getting into the heart of the traditionally busy spring real estate season. And we mentioned the data nationally that home price growth has stabilized somewhat over the past six or seven months, even as mortgage rates have been climbing over that same period. And experts remain cautiously optimistic about continued strength and improvement in the market. We talked about it from the perspective of the real estate agent. Let's get the perspective of the mortgage lender now. Rich Smith is Chief Product and Marketing Officer of Home Loans at PenFed Credit Union. And Rich, let me start with that basic question. If prices are moderating but interest rates are rising, where does the optimism come from that the housing market may be improving? Well, I think you really touched on a number of the factors. You know, while home prices uh, have increased a lot in the past few years and are still up about 30% from where they were pre-COVID, they have come down about 3% in the past year. And mortgage rates, again, while higher than a year ago, are uh, actually down about three-quarters of a percentage point in the last six months. And finally, the supply of homes for sale has increased in the past year about 7%. So, these are all factors that are that are pointing to us moving in the right direction. Do you think maybe some of the shock has worn off? I mean, you talk about this big run-up in prices that we saw uh, over the past several years and then the big spike in, in interest rates, uh, again, coming off such incredibly uh, historical lows. Um, it was a bit of a jolt to the system, but, you know, we've kind of an, we've reached an equilibrium in that respect. Yeah, I think that may be a factor. You know, while prices have increased, uh, you know, the number of homes for sale is right. still far lower than a year ago. Uh, you know, it, it has a varying degree of uh, impact, you know, depending upon your situation, whether you're an existing homeowner, uh, you've actually benefited perhaps from the increase in sure. home prices right. uh, versus a, a first-time home buyer. It's still a very challenging market. Uh, and with that, you, you talk about a, a better supply or better balance between uh, supply and demand. Uh, that has certainly uh, calmed down some of the extreme measures that people were taking to get into homes at the peak of that. Uh, even you know, like foregoing inspections and things like that, that really were not necessarily the the wisest choices. Uh, at the same time. 
um, this is still the biggest purchase that most people will likely make. So what advice would you give to potential home, uh, home buyers, homeowners before they start going out there? I mean, if I'm just in the thinking about it stage right now, what should I be doing before I start actively looking to buy? Well, the perfect thing to do while you're in the thinking about it stage is to get pre-approved for a mortgage. Getting pre-approved before you start to shop uh, really gives you a number of advantages. For example, you now know how much home you can afford. You have a good idea of what your monthly mortgage payment would be and how you would fit that into your budget. And perhaps more importantly, when you do find the home that you want to buy, uh, you know, as you mentioned, it's still competitive out there, and sometimes there are multiple bidders on the same property. So when you're pre-approved, you're in a much stronger position to actually put in a winning offer. What are some tips uh, that you can share on making homeownership more affordable? Again, because this is still, I mean, real estate is what it is. Uh, Homes are expensive. Like we said, the most expensive purchase that you're likely to make. So how do we make that as affordable as possible? You really want to consider all of your loan options. A 30-year conventional fixed mortgage is still the most popular product in the United States, but Mm -hmm. it's by no means the only product. Uh, There are loan options, for example, a VA mortgage, which is guaranteed by the Department of Veterans Affairs, or an FHA mortgage, which is insured by the Federal Housing Administration. Uh, These programs provide low or even in some cases no down payment options, as well as more flexible credit terms. You You also might consider working with a credit union. As a member-owned organization, credit unions often have lower rates and fees than you might be able to find elsewhere. Some of the things that people want to take advantage of or or, uh, keep in mind uh, as we're getting into this spring home buying season, uh, when all of this shakes out, would you expect this to be sort of the year that we get back to normal, uh, kind of a more uh, normal uh, housing uh, market season, this spring-summer season, than maybe what we have seen over the past couple of years? Well, I'm not an economist, but I can say that uh, many experts do believe that the housing market will stabilize uh, this year and perhaps show some additional improvement uh, next year. So, look, when is the right time to buy? I get asked that very yeah. often. Yeah. And, and really, the right time, it's impossible to time the market. Uh, the right time is when it's right for you as an individual or you as a family. Uh, and that's really something that you've got to determine you know, with the help of a mortgage professional. Right. When, with uh, the, the right time for you, for you to buy, uh, not just when you're ready to do it, but when you are ready financially and all of those ducks kind of line up uh, in a row, if you will. Right. Uh, again, Rich Smith is Chief Product and Marketing Officer of Home Loans at PenFed Credit Union. Where do we get more information, Rich? Well, I would really encourage people to go to our website, penfed.org and review our Mortgage Knowledge Center. We have many articles, tips, e- and eBooks on home buying and home financing. 
They are all free to read or to download. We will link up those resources on our webpage as well. Rich, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Information that makes a difference. Good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. In Enid, Oklahoma, uh, police officers got a call uh, the other day about someone yelling for help. Uh, Witnesses heard someone yelling for help. And of course, they go scream. I would imagine that if you're a police officer and you get a report of someone screaming for help, that, uh, I mean, your your heart starts pounding a little bit uh, and... You know, you get jacked up with that call and you rush over to get there. Um, what they discovered when they arrived on the scene was the sound of somebody yelling for help was actually a very upset goat. <laughs> the owner explained that the goat was mad about being separated from another goat. <laughs> the goat was missing missing his friend. And was uh, being very vocal about it. (laughs) Other folks. So all's well that ends well. And the uh, officers have a a funny story to tell. But uh, imagine. Nothing to worry about here. It's just a goat. Elsewhere in the broken news. The odd and unusual side of the headlines. In Daphne, Alabama. uh, Police officers responded to a call turned out to be sort of a fish out of water story in a manner of speaking. Um, they pulled over uh, officers in Daphne, Alabama pulled over on Monday. I think it was pulled over a man cruising down highway 98 on a jet ski <laughs> cruising down the highway on a jet ski. Uh, according to news reports, multiple 911 calls flooded in about this bizarre sight but to everyone's surprise as it turns out and this was probably a surprise to the officers as well as it turns out the jet ski was actually street legal a uh, yeah a uh, picture of the man on his jet ski showed it was equipped with side mirrors and and tags license plates and and the whole thing so it was absolutely street legal so police let the guy off with a warning and a helpful reminder to wear a helmet. <laughs> I would think definitely that would be one you would want to wear a helmet. A jet ski on the highway. All right. Uh, elsewhere in the broken news, did you hear about this crazy story in Hopewell Township, New Jersey on Monday afternoon when what is assumed to be a meteorite blasted a hole through the roof of a home. Um, Fortunately, no one was injured. The metallic rock hit the home in Hopewell Township, went through the roof, through the attic, through the ceiling, and landed on the hardwood floor, creating a a big spot there in the hardwood floor, cracked the, the floorboards, Scientists will now examine the rock to confirm that it actually came from outer space. The meteorite, four by six inches with a charred exterior, it is suspected that it could be related to the 
uh, recent uh, Etta uh, Aquarid meteor shower. I think I've got that right. But uh, anyway, how crazy is that? You're just standing around, you know, going about your business in your home, and suddenly a meteorite crashes through the roof and lands on the floor. Good thing nobody was injured in that. Um, speaking of outer space, this is uh, rather close to home. Uh, in Akron, Ohio, Julia and Robert Jones got married last week. And because they were married uh, at the Akron Municipal Court on May the 4th, it happened to be May the 4th that they got married. And so, because they said there was no other decision, they had to do it because it was May 4th, they fully embraced the Star Wars theme with Julia, uh, instead of a wedding gown, wearing a costume uh, resembling a member of the Sith, the protagonist, the uh, antagonist of the franchise. And uh, Robert was dressed up as a Jedi for a full Star Wars-themed wedding on uh, May the 4th at the Municipal Court. Why? Why would you why do that? I don't know. Uh, Let's see. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, this is just a crazy story. Um, Liz Atkinson, she's from Iowa. She went on vacation with her family to Disney World last month, and she took along her late son's toy elephant, Gabriel. Uh, or Gabriel is her, her son that uh, sadly passed away. The toy elephant named Bruce went along on the family's vacation to Disney World because it was her way of keeping her late son close. Uh, Gabriel had received the elephant as a baby while staying in the neonatal intensive care unit in the NICU. According to news reports, uh, Gabriel died before the trip to Disney World, and so his family bought brought Bruce along his stuffed animal uh, toy elephant as a memorial. Here's where the story gets weird inside a pouch on the back of the toy elephant was a bag of Gabriel's ashes. And somewhere along the way, wouldn't you know it? Bruce, the toy elephant disappeared along with the ashes of Gabriel disappeared. Ms. Atkinson said she has contacted each place where they stayed during the trip, but to no avail. She uh, wrote in uh, a post on Facebook trying to enlist help, anyone's help, in, in locating the uh, Bruce the Elephant and Gabriel's ashes. She said she feels absolutely sick about the whole thing, has been struggling to sleep during the entire ordeal. Why would you... I mean, I understand the sentiment uh, of the of the whole thing, but... To have the the child's ashes along. Wow. Man, here's hoping she gets it back, but why would you take that along? I Yeah. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, and this is all kinds of weird, people in Florida could soon be driving on roads that are made from radioactive materials. I kid you not, lawmakers in the Sunshine State have approved a bill that would allow the Florida Transportation Department to 
include in their road projects a radioactive waste material from the fertilizer industry and their road paving projects. Conservation groups, of course, are all up in arms, urging Governor Ron DeSantis to veto the bill. They say the radioactive waste, known as phosphogypsum, would hurt uh, water quality, would seep into the aquifer and hurt water quality. And, of course, there's the little thing about putting road construction crews uh, at at the risk of radioactive cancer. So, you know, there's that. Uh, Now, the story goes on to point out that the EPA actually regulates the material used in road projects. So any plans to actually use this in road construction projects would require a review at the federal level. But in uh, Florida, the state legislature said, yeah, no problem here. We use radioactive material in the roads. Uh, I don't know. I think I would... I think I would be opposed. I, I'm just saying. I think uh, that that may not be the best plan. There you go. Uh, that hits today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the uh, headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. When you're behind the wheel, it's okay to rock out to your music. But it's not okay to interact with your phone screen and electronic devices while driving. In most cases, anything more than a single touch or swipe is against the law. That means no texting, no typing, no scrolling, no shopping, no browsing. If an officer sees a violation, they can pull you over. So remember, Ohio, phones down. It's the law. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and amid growing concerns about the mental health of our youth, a new survey explores what's worrying America's children. And lest you think this is alarmist, uh, that this uh, story is uh, sort of playing up something that's not that big of a problem, The survey finds that 86% of school-aged children say they are worrying at least some of the time. 86%. So this is a significant concern. And according to CBS News, this survey from uh, Niemers Kids Health finds more than one in three kids between the ages of 9 to 13 worry at least once a week. Uh, One-third are worrying, and again, this is between ages 9 and 13, worrying at least once a week. The most common worries, uh, 64% uh, cite issues involving school, 41% uh, cite their friendships, 33%, one-third, are worried uh, about family issues, uh, family members, family issues, that kind of thing, one-third. Some of the other common concerns that kids expressed include worrying about the way they look. 31% of kids, again, nearly one in three, um, are worrying about the way they look. 25% worry about being bullied, so that's one in four. 22%, or roughly one in five, express worries about their safety. Uh, 19% cite specifically violence in the world around them. And we all know what that translates to. But again, this is becoming 
more and more, almost one in five, uh, say that that is a significant cause of concern or worry for them. Uh, Dr. Lawrence Moss, president and CEO of Nemours Children's Health, uh, says in this report for CBS News, quote, more important than the content of the worry is the frequency and the magnitude of the worry, unquote. So something to keep in mind, some of these uh, concerns that kids express in this survey are ones that you would expect for children that age and that kids for generations have worried about things like school and being bullied and, you know, things like that. But others are certainly uh, very much in tune to the world that we live in today and the world around us. Just something to keep in mind for Mental Health Awareness Month, the growing concern about mental health in our youth, and maybe something of a conversation starter with your kids. And now joining us with details on what's happening with the Hancock County OSU Extension, the month of May, Extension Educator, Consumer and Family Sciences uh, Educator Jennifer Little. Jennifer, thanks very much for uh, joining us this morning. We certainly appreciate it. You guys are very busy uh, these days at the uh, Extension office. Got a lot of things going on. Yes, yes, yes. In addition to, of course, wrapping up some of our in-school programming, um, Lauren and I have been in number number of schools doing Real Money, Real World, kind of wrapping that up, but mm-hmm. we're also looking forward to some of the outdoor activities. You know, we, we had our first farmer's market on Thursday, and um, I've been fortunate to be a part of planning and making some of the changes and updates that they've done. Um, there's a great, great leadership team there, and we had a gorgeous day last Thursday, and so looking forward to some great markets this year. It uh, looks like uh, the weather this week is going to be equally nice. And now, for those that don't already know, that is Thursdays at the uh, Marathon Center for the Performing Arts, right? Yes, yes. They're in the parking lot, which is a great location, central, downtown, accessible for a lot of people. There's great parking there, too, right there, kind of behind the library. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and they hold it, you know, rain or shine. Um, Bobby Sue and Scott Grenners and um, Logan Benjamin um, as kind of a leadership team. They are amazing. They're very, very um, invested in their vendors, invested in the Hancock County community and the success of the farmer's market. It's been really great to see kind of things take shape over the last year. So. Yeah, so uh, four to six <laughs> every Thursday. And one of the things to highlight uh, is that uh, folks can use their SNAP benefits. Yes, yes. Um, that was something that we were able to be a part of. I had a, a, a grant um, through uh, some leadership at the Extension Office, uh, or the Extension, statewide Extension, mm-hmm. um, Voices for Food, that allowed us to do some, take on some initiatives that would benefit um, food insecure populations in the area. And um, the Family Consumer Sciences educator prior to me had this dream of of being able to have the SNAP benefits accepted at the farmer's market. So we worked with... Um, some folks over at um, United Way and, of course, the, the folks at the Farmer's Market, we approached them about it. They were very, very excited. And um, so the, the kind of, there's kind of been a small group of us to get this together, including yeah. um, our SNAP-Ed educator, Joanne Fife. So, yeah, we started that late last year. But this year we've been able to, since we were approved as a vendor for SNAP benefits last year, this year we were able to add on the benefit of produce perks, which allows folks who have um, SNAP benefits and are using them at the farmer's market 
to double what they're able to use. If they, wow. um, they say, I want to spend, you know, $25 at the farmer's market, um, they can get an additional $25 in benefits to use just on produce because SNAP benefits are, you know, a variety of food and food mm-hmm. producing items. But right. um, the produce perks is just for produce. This is a way to encourage um, food insecure people to um, eat more fruits and vegetables, yeah. which is what we all know is healthy for us. Exactly. No matter, you know, who we are. The, so, I- the yeah. idea of, uh, of SNAP is to uh, get people to eat healthier. And uh, ultimately that's the goal. And it doesn't get a whole lot healthier than the uh, stuff at the at the farmers market, the locally grown, locally produced stuff. So, yes, yes, wonderful, wonderful stuff. And while you know it's early, early in the growing season, mm-hmm. they're actually um, you can use those benefits actually to purchase food producing plants. So you know, right now we don't have tomatoes at the farmers market, but you can actually purchase some you know tomato plant producing plants herbs that you can use and you know, have some. Of your yeah. own locally grown produce in your own backyard. Too. That is, so we've, yeah. That's that's one of the other things that I wanted to bring up. I mean, you know, the uh, extension kind of one stop for everything related to growing season. We're getting into a growing season. Uh, so for those who are you know planting a b- uh, backyard garden, um, whether it's you know just as a hobby or to save money or whatever it might happen to be, eat healthier. Um, you can help out with that. Yes, yes. We have, um, of course, we have Ed Lentz, our Ag Natural Resources Educator, but we also have a wonderful group of volunteers, um, our Master Gardeners, mm-hmm. which we are, I think they're 40 or 50 strong. They um, are put on programs throughout Hancock County. I think that was just at 50 North yesterday with one of my own programs. They mm-hmm. were actually there doing a container garden program there as well. They are at the library, and they also have an Ask a Master Gardener um, service. So if someone has a question about something, they can actually bring something in or call us with a question and um, we will connect them with a master gardener who can answer their question. But again, they're also out and about doing doing programming throughout the community and they have their own Facebook page. So you can kind of check them out and see what they're doing and when and yeah, um, but they're a wonderful, wonderful resource. Terrific resource, and I think a lot of times we think of uh, the master gardeners with relation to ornamental plants and landscaping and all of that. But again, if uh, you're uh, thinking of growing food, starting a backyard garden, they can be helpful as well. You also, looking ahead a little bit, uh, for those who grow their own food, often will uh, uh, be into canning and and food preservation to make uh, that. Uh, food last as long as possible long after the growing season is over and you have uh, some resources that can help with uh, food preservation as well yes yes um folks have already been contacting me about getting their um, pressure gauges checked it's a good idea to have your canners inspected and especially if you're using a pressure canner to have that gauge checked for accuracy every year because Mm -hmm. as you're pressure canning you want to make sure that you're canning things at the appropriate Right. Um, pressure to make sure that it seals and stays sealed and stays Very healthy important. for you as long as it's being stored. So, yep. um, yeah, so people can call our office and set up an appointment to do that or email me as the Family Consumer Sciences Educator, um, little.18 at osu.edu to arrange that. I also will be holding um, late June, holding a food preservation palooza, kind of an open house event that we have where people can just come in without an appointment and get their canner checked. We'll have some displays, some demonstrations and things going on. And I will have, I haven't nailed down a date and I'm looking to bring a colleague in to help me with that. So okay. we're trying to nail a date. But if they want to keep um, 
keep up with us on our Facebook page, or I'll, and I will have an article out in our, my Courier article in June. We'll have information about that, okay. but I'll have stuff on Facebook as well. So, so we'll watch that. That was a kind of a, yeah, yeah. We'll watch for that, especially for those who may be first timers looking to uh, learn more uh, about uh, food preservation. Again, it's very important that you do it right. So you want to know what you're doing when you get into that. Um, anything else uh, going on the uh, extension that we want to make sure that we highlight uh, the month of May? Well, um, we also, well, right now we are kind of busy. We're actually hiring for a couple of positions. Oh, we yeah? are we are bringing on a 4-H program assistant um, full-time. We ha- lost our former program assistant. She moved on to another role with Extension. And um, as you know, the 4-H season is is kicking off Absolutely. very soon. I'm already making plans for Loverbud Camp and, and 4-H Camp. And obviously, you know, all of, the, all of the preparations for the 4-H projects and things. So there's a... A full-time position available, so folks are really love 4-H, love working with youth, mm-hmm. um, are excited about extension. We've got um, stuff posted on our Facebook page about that. And of course, Ohio State University has you know that all those all of the openings posted on the OSU extension page or OSU um, careers page as well. And we're right. taking applications through May nineteenth, so right. coming right up. So Terrific we're stuff. excited about excited about that. So. Again. Yes, it's been. It's we're excited about this spring and all that's coming, and um, all the excitement affair and all those things coming up. That we are love to be a resource for yeah. anyone related to you know food related things, and happy to to be available. Good. Uh- like we said, kind of the go-to resource uh, when we get into a growing season. And here it comes, very busy time for the folks at the uh, OSU Extension of Hancock County. And again, uh, Jennifer Little, uh, Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Educator. We've got a link up for more information, more resources about what we're talking about at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Jennifer, thanks very much. As always, we appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. That, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, speaking of food, this weekend is the annual Stamp Out Hunger Food Drive. We'll get details from the local chapter of the National Association of Letter Carriers. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.